Hello and welcome to R plus J equals podcast. I'm your host, Joe Gatula, and with me as always, my lovely wife, my co-host, Regina Gatula. Hello. We're here. We're ready. Is everybody ready for this? Are you ready, Regina? Yeah. I'm more <laughs> ready than the suicide mission. All right, let's get straight into it. Um, first thing that we want to talk about before we get to the meat of this episode is Arya versus Sansa. I think for my end, we talked about this already. We're kind of this is kind of a retread of what we said last episode, but this whole plot line is still stupid and pointless. And at this point, it's just Arya either being a dumbass and being petty and being terrible and being a bad character, or she's just deceiving all of us and she's going to kill Littlefinger. And if she doesn't kill Littlefinger, then this is just dumb. And I don't know what what else you can add to that because we've talked about it. You have anything? Nope, that's it. Let's move on like we need to yeah. move on with this plot. Great, let's go. <laughs> so let's talk about... The battle. The battle of the Frozen Lake, the battle of East, North of East Watch, the <laughs> battle of Gendry's Olympic run. <laughs> Let's start with the good. Visually, it was spectacular, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, it looked really, really nice on TV. I thought the setting was great. The snow was great. The mountains were great. I think Aesthetically, it was, it was all yeah. great. I mean, it was filmed in Iceland, right? Yes. And it looks out of this world yeah i've seen tourist pictures from iceland and that's how i think i could tell it was in iceland and it looked like nothing you've ever seen in game of thrones in terms of how wintry it looked those glaciers were so blue right and then the the shots with the sunset cgi could never win over just the natural setting that they were in yeah totally agree so we all agree yeah the direction was good it was okay yeah it wasn't as good as let's say the the fights weren't as dynamic as what we've seen in yeah. hard home or we're, battle of the bastards we're big fans of miguel sapochnik or mm-hmm. what, uh, however you pronounce his last name he did hard home he did battle of the bastards mm-hmm. the two arguably best battles in all of game of thrones uh, I'm, I'm i still think alan taylor did a really good job of, of framing this whole uh battle sequence the concept of the ice dragon. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yep. Viserion died, and now he's an ice dragon. So I thought this scene, and we'll get to the bad, but just focusing on the very last scene when there are chains being pulled for Viserion out of the lake to have him turn into a zombie dragon. Yeah. I thought it was, despite all of the flaws... For this mission and if you just focus on that scene and the gravity of the situation and the emotion that felt from the first point of him getting speared with the ice spear to him being dragged out by the lake when he got speared it was really sad it yeah. was like because you know Daenerys the entire Six, seven season has been regarding these dragons as her children. And I myself, as a fan, see these dragons as her children. So watching a dragon 
getting brutally stabbed and essentially falling down yeah. into a lake and drowning. And it wasn't even just being stabbed. Not only did Viserion get hit by the spear, but like the, s- the fire the- that was blowing out of his yeah. mouth, it didn't blow out of his mouth. It instead went through the hole yeah. and you in his see chest cavity. And you see blood the gushing. blood the, Yeah, the blood and the fire bursting out of his chest. Right. And it, it was really visually arresting. It was it was brutal. It was, you know, I compare and I, I don't, I obviously I don't want to compare a dragon to a human child, but the same emotion I felt when we were watching Shireen getting burned, like it was really brutal to watch. And just, I mean, and seeing Daenerys's, First, I, I really think she's in shock. She's crying, but she's still in utter shock. And just seeing her face and watching it, she goes into this mode where it's like she watching a child, believe- child yeah, die. She just can't believe it's happening. And so that was really powerful. And I think watching, and I know there's a lot of issues with where did they get the chains, but again, we'll talk <laughs> about the flaws later. Somehow the chains for me were powerful because not only do you see Viserion dropping and going into the lake and i think it was really powerful to see him see his dead body being pulled like that just can you imagine just watching just like an animal being wrapped up in chains and pulled out of a lifeless body it's lifeless body being pulled out of the lake versus us just going back to the scene and seeing a dead dragon and then the night it's true it added it it did add impact it added a touch of emotion and the lack of music the entire time I was watching that, I felt no joy. It was cold and it was chilling and it was it felt so wrong on yeah. so many levels. And that's what they were going for, that tone. So I thought yeah, they nailed it. They nailed it. I thought that whole tone and watching that was just heart wrenching. Yeah. But I think a, the first time that I watched it, it was undercut by the major flaws that we will now yeah. discuss. Well, let me let me note one other thing that we liked quickly was the zombie polar bear. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I thought that was a great scene alongside most of the first half of the episode, I think was good. Mm-hmm. The, the banter was good, but that zombie polar bear was cool. It was cool. I think it's set up that animals can yeah. be brought back to life. Essentially, right when I saw the zombie polar bear, I'm like, oh, so a dragon probably will die. And a dragon will come back to life because it's a, it's clearly established beyond just the horses that they ride mm-hmm. that they've turned these animals. And I know we joked around about ghosts becoming a zombie direwolf, but now but it's, now it's it could possible. Happen. It's yeah. been proven. So that's where all of our positivity ends. And don't get us wrong. We still like Game of Thrones. We love it enough that we started a podcast about it. And one thing to note, we know nitpicking in the, ter- in the world of nerds, in the world of fan fiction and geek culture, it's really annoying. That's the worst way to try to enjoy something. And referencing something that we read earlier today, and when people start having to ask these kind of questions, Mm -hmm. there's a problem with the story. Game of Thrones rarely had these issues of these logic flaws Mm -hmm. or characters not acting like themselves or Mm -hmm. characters making really, really stupid plot-driven decisions. It's it's rarely been a problem with Game of Thrones until these last two episodes. And I think referencing the past six seasons, 
there are always storylines. Well, not really the first four because they had the source material. They had the blueprints. But starting with season five, you, that's where you start seeing the cracks. Yeah. So just referencing from season five to season six, there were plots in those seasons where you did ask the questions. You did nitpick. But yeah. they were side plots. You tend to forgive it. You tend to yeah. move on because they didn't have any major consequences to the overall yeah, story. Yeah, there's little things like Arya's training with the wave and how bad that yes. was portrayed. and Her internal bleeding yeah, her and her running stabbed. a marathon. Yeah, that was... And Dorne. Cool. It was... It the whole Dorne mission. Didn't really make sense. It was stupid. It was just a way for them to fill time. Yeah, but like you said, the fact that it wasn't the main plot point, it didn't involve all the main characters the way that this does, mm-hmm. You could overlook it at least a little bit. You can suspend your disbelief. But I think this Eastwash suicide mission is absolutely unforgivable. Yeah. And insult to injury, I mean, I keep going back to the Raven and the inconsistency with time. So this is something, again, we never really had to deal with with Game of Thrones, watching it in the first few seasons. Time always made sense. And even in season six, they cut the time, they cut the journey where they needed to cut. And it's it's not even just that. Even in the earlier episodes this season, we said that we were okay with the accelerated pace, but it was the last two episodes. It was the last two episodes that we said in the last podcast that was very jarring. And insult to injury, they made it, they somehow made it worse with what they did with Gendry and the Raven, yeah. and Daenerys coming, and just asking all these questions to yourself. How long were these guys yeah. sitting on a ice island and waiting for Daenerys? What, what, what's going with, on with the bathroom? No visible what's food. going on with the food? Yeah. Water? How are, are they freezing to death? Like yeah. these are logical questions that you ask, and the fact of the matter is that that they're not answering again undercuts the emotion of seeing Viserion die because you're just stuck on it. Yeah. So after thinking about it long and hard and actually reading a write-up about how much time it took the Ravens and Gendry and everything, it actually kind of made sense. But the fact that I had to investigate it was maddening. When you think about it, the whole march towards the pond or the lake probably was about one day's walk, six to eight hours. Right. Then we know they get into the battle, right? And the ice cracks. Mm-hmm. They they sent Gendry away to run right away to tell them that things are bad bad things are and happening. He never takes a break. Right? The ice breaks, so then they're left in this standoff at the middle of this island, right? We know that ice will take a long time to freeze. Mm-hmm. Now Gendry runs, let's say, one to two hours and collapses in front of the wall. And then they have to send a raven thousands and thousands of miles. We looked at a map. Even if it was a, a raven on steroids, it gets to Daenerys. And then she has to fly all the way back. But in the end, based on how much time the ice will need to freeze, based on this write-up that I read, it would be about three days. So I'm okay with it. At the end of the day, it, it was poorly portrayed, but it would take around three to four days for all of this to transpire. Now, this could have been easily fixed by a couple scenes or a couple moments where they're just like, we've been here for a couple days. Is Danny really coming? But instead, they just randomly say stuff. So I want to go further in that. So you yeah. explained that in your head. You yep. fixed it in your head, right? The, the logic. Yeah. 
But I want to go further in the deeply flawed logic of this entire mission. Yeah. So fine, you can explain that. You can put hours and times to Gendry's run. You could put hours and times to the Raven getting to Daenerys and yeah. Daenerys getting there. What I feel like doesn't make sense, like I said last week, is the mission. Yeah. So last week when we were first introduced to the idea that they would go on this mission to get a zombie to mm-hmm. in- show Cersei and Cersei would hopefully then stop the war, first of all, it doesn't make sense because A, it's just out of character for Cersei. And B, what really is the necessity of it? There are so many better plans out there in terms of retaining the Lannister men, but also getting rid of Cersei. I I just feel like they did not flesh it out. Like ultimately, the point of this mission was to get an ice dragon. In my head, this is what happened. George R. R. Martin obviously has not finished the books or stories. He has given the showrunners certain important details. He himself probably hasn't written how he got the ice dragon, but he probably said, Viserion turns into an ice dragon. Yeah. That was it. And then the showrunners had to go in and fill the gaps and figure it out. Yep. But in order to get this ice dragon, I still do not see the necessity of seven people plus dispensable wildlings to go out on this mission, get a zombie to bring back to Cersei. All for what? To get an ice dragon. It just doesn't make any sense. So that entire logic, the flaw, I could not get past it into this entire episode. And I thought, okay, maybe when Danny comes, and I said this even last week, maybe when Danny comes and we get to see what dragons do to zombies and white walkers, it would redeem itself. But even then, like I said, fine, you explain the Gendry to Raven thing. I still don't buy it. Yeah. I still think I, in my head, and people could disagree with me, I still think in my head, it for makes more sense that Danny goes out of instinct. She goes out of her connection to John. She knows yeah. she loves John. She loves Jorah. Or even go with maybe the dragons feeling restless because they've already established an animal to master connection, especially with the direwolves and Starks. Showing that scene with John and the dragon last week shows that there's a connection there. Yeah, so back to that whole, Daenerys going and rescuing him another thing that they didn't do correctly was undercutting the whole battle by showcasing her flying with the dragons on the way like when the White Walkers started to charge at them in mm-hmm. the middle of that circle after the ice had re- refrozen after those three to four days I felt no danger right. I knew Daenerys was coming because they showed her flying with those dragons like on literally on the way to rescue them and there's no fucking chance that Jon Snow's gonna die in this middle of this battle and Daenerys is just gonna see his dead body right the problem there was they also didn't establish any danger in this battle whatsoever they had a great chance with Tormund look we've had this set up this whole season of getting somebody of emotional value to die. It didn't happen in the loot train battle, but they set it up so well with Torment. He was about to die, about to get dragged into the frozen mm-hmm. pond. And if he actually died, we would feel the shock and the realism of this battle. So then there would be true tension. Mm-hmm. But not that didn't happen. So then you're like, well, Daenerys is definitely coming. This yeah. is, there's there's no tension here. We're just going to see her. And we saw three episodes what dragons what a dragon can do. So even that repeating itself, it was like 
kind of getting old. And yeah. I, I always go back to saying with these battles and feeling the tension like you just mentioned, going, if you think about, again, referencing the Battle of the Bastards, hard home, even thinking about big events like the Red Wedding, Ned getting his head chopped off, and Blackwater, these battles, you felt emotion, you felt tension. The The reason for these battles were was natural. Yeah. It was a natural progression to the story. These needed to happen. This entire mission just felt like filler, in my Un- opinion. Unnecessary. Unnecessary filler. So, yes, we know the goal is to get an ice dragon. Make it more natural. Yeah. Do not make this these characters, these important characters, go on this stupid-ass mission to bring a zombie back to Cersei. Yeah. Without them even thinking of the consequences, did they really think that they were going to be successful? That's the problem. We were talking about this before. Game of Thrones set up all of the rules of its own world mm-hmm. very well in the first four to five to even six seasons. They showcased that this show had the blockbuster qualities of a, an amazing movie, an amazing action movie or a genre film, but it also had the logic and the tight-knit storytelling of a top-tier television mm-hmm. show like Breaking Bad or The Wire or any of those and it was like the perfect combination of everything we love about blockbuster movies and top tier peak TV. But this, these past two episodes have squandered all of that. And right. it went away from those rules about, hey, Game of Thrones is about this and it's this quality. It just completely shit the bed. And yep. I've lost faith that it can stick this landing. Yeah. I mean, like I said, all of the major events that has happened thus far was necessity of the plot. And this was unnecessary. It doesn't make sense. And so when you have a foundational flaw, all of the events that happened during the episode, like some of the great things, like I mentioned, the emotional impact of Viserion dying, even the conversations between the Magnificent Seven, that was all great. Yeah. But the entire time I was watching this, I couldn't get past the fact that they're they just should, doing this for no good they fucking shouldn't, reason. They shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be there. This isn't normal. This isn't what this this yeah. situation would be like. This isn't the right plot. This isn't natural. This doesn't feel natural. Yeah. So I could not really soak in some of the great lines and conversations between these characters, when you have such a foundational issue, yeah. it's really hard and it was, for these little elements to hold up. And it was eating at me while the episode was going. It's mm-hmm. like, this is cool stuff. This is really good. It just feels so contrived because this shouldn't be happening. Right. Right? Totally. So it's sad. And I think it, it goes to another thing that we were thinking about. It's something that we've already talked about before. And actually, Regina was harping on it a lot. <laughs> and I tried to dissuade her. I was like... No, no, no. The showrunners, they're actually pretty good. I, we have to give them credit. But now I was yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. You were right. The showrunners were really good at adapting mm-hmm. established work. They had this great framework, these blueprints, these massive books mm-hmm. that they can mine through and find the best stories right. to make the first... And bring it in a consistent, yeah. entertaining way. Yeah, to make the first four and a half, five seasons with all this book knowledge, but then they're like, I have the sensibility of a good TV creator to say, 
some of these plots are good, some of these aren't bad. Let's bring the best stuff forward. Right. Right. And what makes sense for TV yeah. versus But book. then once they started, and Regina, you were mentioning this a little mm-hmm. bit ago in terms of the examples, once they started to have to make original content to get to the finish line, mm-hmm. that's when these cracks started. Yep. Right? It's like I totally agree with a lot of the criticism that I've seen from this episode yeah and it's, it's not just us it's the rest not, of the internet yeah. they're not everybody's happy about this episode it's um, like half half i guess yeah there there's been a lot of criticism of the showrunners and of this episode and i completely agree in the sense that they are rushing it. it it just feels like they want to end it but they're not serving they're not doing its justice it seems like they're just tired of it. They yeah. just want to. They just want to include big battle scenes, and they want to get it done, and they want to get it over with, and then do their stupid and Confederate kinda, Civil War show. Right, and it's like, for me, it's like fine if you're tired of it, maybe succeed it to another writer or showrunner. And I get that they invested so much, so maybe they they don't want it. Yeah. They want to end it themselves. But if you really want to serve justice to the plot, why end it in a messy? way where where you're gonna get criticized and i and i'm actually a part of me is glad not that i'm glad that this happened that this episode happened but we finally get to see real strong criticism of the showrunners across the tv land like i said earlier a lot of the nitpicking criticism came because of side plots but overall it was a sound there were sound seasons, yeah. season five and season six. But now people are really questioning their ability to write content and to finish the story. And yeah. that is really, really, I'm sure, hard to take. Yeah. And look, we admit this season's not done, right? They could very well stick the landing, even though it's contrived <laughs> on how they got to I, this I, final I, meeting. I don't get the meeting. Yeah. The meeting makes no Sense. But let's be let's be transparent. We could flip flop again. They could stick the landing, and we hope they do. But we're what we're trying to just say is that we're starting to lose faith, right? I mean, yeah, I definitely have no faith in the showrunners. Some of the decisions that they have made throughout, you know, yes, they're great at adapting, but some of the storylines that they've chosen to ignore and include, that's where I actually started seeing the cracks. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, is that they themselves can't write the story. They, like I said, they're getting these tidbits, major things from George R. R. Martin, and they have to essentially write backwards. So for example, Ice Dragon, how do we make that happen? Okay, we need important Peter Lawal. How do we make that happen? Okay, we can't have a big battle because we can't afford it. Like, they're, they're yeah. not writing up to the important detail. They're writing backwards. And that's something that I feel like you shouldn't do. Yeah. The, the other thing to note about that is I really need to stop watching these scenes or the behind the episode after the actual episodes because oh, half the times it's the showrunner saying, well, we needed to figure out a believable way of how to get them up there and this to happen, this to happen. It just shows lack of planning. Yeah. And they're literally like, like sitting in a room they're and like, they're like, okay, so this is what's going to happen at the end of the show. We got to get from here to here to here to here. So how do we make it believable? And rush there. But then they choose to make one part 
try to make it logical and believable, but then ignore the fact of the rules that they set in terms yeah. of time and ravens and all of that. Like They're not respecting the audience. They're not respecting the audience. Half it's, of the audience is probably like, oh, this is so cool. Did you see the dragon die? But then the, the other half, the half that are probably... The half that HBO actually cares about yeah, because of Emmys because, and criticism. Yeah, HBO's prestige this their, TV. This is their tentpole title. And the fact that people are actually shitting on it, actual TV critics are shitting on it, I really hope it opens their eyes that they can't yeah. just shit next season. And that's one thing we also discussed. It's like maybe it's a good thing that this happened in season seven because maybe it'll refocus them on telling a, a better ending to the whole story, right? Maybe that can be the silver lining to how much we dislike this episode. I mean, I still feel like at the end of the day, the books are going to surpass in terms of exciting story. I, I think it's going... I think, like I said in, in the very first pro- podcast, I think that the books are going to win over because again if the they sh- come out if they come out but because george R. R. martin set up this world and he set up the rules of the of the world and he's not going to betray it like the showrunners yeah. have betrayed it and other so, than other than not finishing his book he, <laughs> other than not finishing the book, assuming he does assuming he finishes the book so it actually makes me excited to see what he how he yeah. ends the story before i actually was like oh you know i'm gonna watch a tv show we're gonna end it i don't know if i'm gonna read the last two books now i am definitely gonna read those last two books when it comes out yeah i was the same way when, so good for george r, r. martin when, when these last two season before this season started i was like forget the books i'm like it's not gonna come out and even if it does come out, you're like, gonna hate certain details. I'm not of the gonna book. really care as much. But now that I've seen that this has been pretty flawed mm-hmm. in terms of execution, especially these last two episodes, I'm more open to seeing how George ends it. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I and I do want to say I blame George too for all of this because he should have just fucking finished the story. Yeah. We wouldn't have these issues and emotions if the story was just done. Yeah. And the showrunners were able to adapt it. I get that it's hard to get these little tidbits from George. And I get that it's hard to figure out how you're going to accomplish these major plot points. But seriously, George should just fucking finish this. <laughs> and we wouldn't have be, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We would be talking maybe about how great the episode yeah. was and how it made so much more sense. So, closing thoughts, at least on this portion. We talked about this. Game of Thrones has always been the balance of amazing, really, really quality TV storytelling, plus the bombastic movie-level moments of blockbuster action. But that was something that might be gone. Are we supposed to now like view this as if it's like a marvel movie right am i regarding the show has just zombies tits and dragons yeah because the way that i regarded it was actually art on tv seeing this piece of literature this piece of artwork coming to life on a television screen and is it my fault for taking it too seriously maybe but but we feel betrayed i feel yeah i feel totally betrayed especially being invested for the past six seasons with these characters, with this storyline and how they're developed and how they're all going to play out. It's like, I feel like 
I'm being cheated out of from these two guys who just want to finish the story so they can move on. And I think it's a sad ending to, well, I'm, I shouldn't say that it's an ending, but I think it's just a sad point because we never felt like that with Game of Thrones. We yeah. always, we were always rewarded at the end, even though there were cracks, we were always rewarded with a sound ending and a sound foundation. And for the first time, I feel like, you know what? I'm on thin ice like those zombies. Yeah. It's falling through the cracks. Last night, I felt like I was watching a mediocre superhero movie. Yeah. Last night after the episode, me and Joe just looked at each other and we were just like, huh? Yeah. So I was... <laughs> we're like, okay, that what what do we feel like right I literally now? liken it to a mediocre super mov- superhero movie that has no substance but cool action sequences. It was like watching and a it, Transformers movie, in well, my opinion. No, a little better. I, I, I'm comparing like it to the motion. Yeah, I, I literally was like, oh, I don't need to think about this. I'm going to turn off my brain and yeah. I'm just going to watch a bunch of people beat each other up. It's sad and disappointing that if that's what we have to resign ourselves to now moving forward, watching next week's episode, wa- waiting for season eight, that I need to now view this series as just a normal TV show with action, sex, boobs, and dragons. Yeah, like a popcorn flick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe that's what we need to do it now because I, I know a lot of people are doing that and they actually enjoy the episode and yeah. they have no negative feelings towards it. So maybe yeah. it'll save me some sleep. So to transition here, we actually are doing something a little bit different this week. Yes. So okay. we, we put out a call to some of our most avid listeners to ask them how would they have preferred to see this come to life. So a lot of times when we watch uh, movies and TV plots and we see something that doesn't make sense and something that we hate, we tend to try to rewrite it in our heads. At least that's what I try to do that. I try to do that with the Star Wars prequels. Um, And even with The Force Awakens, I rewrite certain things in my head to make it fit better, to make it sound better. So I thought it would be really interesting to get plot synopsis of how ultimately the showrunners should have accomplished the ice dragon. Like I said before, that was the goal. That was what they wanted to do. So are there better ways than watching seven characters sit on a block of ice waiting for Daenerys to come yeah. by a raven who probably had a heart attack? And, and and no, we're not saying these are better ways. Right. These are just different ways that they're it different, could have They're happened. very different ways. Obviously, they're just synopsis, so the details aren't fleshed out. It's not meant to be fleshed out. So I'm sure people will be like, well, that doesn't make sense. We just want to show that anything is better than what we saw in terms of making sense. So the first one is from Jacob Cherian. After talking with Tina, his wife, I rewrote yesterday's episode in my head. So here it is. John and crew catch the white and try to run away. They are about to get surrounded and a child of the forest shows up and takes them to a magical circle shelter where the White Walkers cannot cross. So this is similar to what we've seen in season five when Bran goes to the cave and and there's ice and a zombie can't pass through. So that's established. John is then stuck. Meanwhile, Danny is staring at the flames and has a vision of John in trouble. She takes the dragons and fly north. Tyrion tries to stop her with reason, but she is unfazed. Danny saves them. John gets onto Viserion 
before the Night King throws his spear. John falls from the dragon, who then dies. Danny thinks John is dead and escapes with Drogon and Rhaegal before the Night King throws another spear. John then escapes with Uncle Benjen. Night King still creates the White Walker dragon. So I thought that was a little bit more sound and interesting because you already established that there are children of the forest and they have this magical fortress where zombies cannot pass. So it makes sense that John runs into them beyond the wall. So that's one. It makes as much as sense as Benjen showing up. And Yep. Right? <laughs> and it makes as much sense as Gendry running a six-hour marathon in the yeah. cold. Okay, another one from Dave Gamblin. Another option would be for Danny to have just agreed that this was a big enough problem that she would personally help. It would show she trusts John, and it also simplifies the narrative. Cersei is more or less ignored in this scenario for the time being since Danny has just won a stunning defeat. In this scenario, Danny takes John, Jorah, Davos, and Gendry on Dragon back directly to Eastwatch where they pick up their other companions. Danny and the dragons patrol the sky, skies while John tracks part of the army of the undead on foot. John is then caught by surprise attack by the Night King, who slays Viserion with the Ice Lance. The ranging party captures a white, but while they are loaded onto the dragon, John is tackled and goes under the ice. John resurfaces and maybe Longclaw even catches fire spontaneously to show the Lord of Light is on John's side. Meanwhile, the Night King turns Viserion into an ice dragon. Seeing the escalation of the threat, John finally mounts the dragon and they escape. All right, so those are two alternate missions, which I both think are already better than what we saw last night. Obviously, they need to be fleshed out, and there are certain details that maybe need to don't make sense, but hey, it makes better sense than what we saw. Our friends don't get paid millions of dollars to do this. <laughs> so the last one comes from me, and here's my alternative plot, and I've tried to make sure it makes as much natural sense in terms of the characters as possible. So it starts all the way back with Bran's vision, he sees a vision, and it's the White Walkers. They're at Eastwatch at the wall already, and they're about to attack. John gets this message. He tells Danny that he has to leave to fight to to fight the White Walkers at the the castle at Eastwatch. She commands him to stay, but just like the the episode, he refuses. This whole part gets rid of the terrible White Walker kidnap plot that all of us have such a bad problem with. And the finale's flawed logic of Cersei even caring about seeing mm -hmm. one of these whites and it somehow like changing the outcome of the show. Also, staging the battle at Eastwatch and sending the, the raven directly from there, where there's readily available ravens, gets rid of a lot of the key con inconsistencies like Gendry having to run for fucking miles and miles and the amount of time that they're spending on some island. It's better spent fighting off the White Walkers at the wall. So, Danny gets the raven. Her, Tyrion, and Jorah have the same discussion over whether or not she should go to help Jon Snow. And we are left, as viewers, wondering if she's coming or not. Q, 
keeping the tension alive so it's not to undercut the tension. Tormund actually dies, showing that there's true danger in this battle as the battle wages on. And then finally, as they're about to lose, when you're really feeling the tension because somebody actually died, Danny comes in, rescues them, but Viserion dies, like the regular show. But if you think about it, this actually works best as a season finale. It ends with Jon and Danny united at the end, but they have enemies to the south, Cersei, and enemies to the north, the Night King. End of season. Yep, and you know, and it kind of goes back to what we said in last week's podcast. Okay, they need to insert the Night King. Okay, they need to insert the Ice Dragon. And I think we had this discussion before that for me, I do think the Ice Dragon, despite everything, was a necessity to happen this season. The way that it played out didn't make sense. But no matter what, we needed Viserion to turn into a dragon I, I this season. Wholeheartedly feel like that right. came from George. Because and that came from George because I think it was it's really important to establish the suspense of seeing an ice dragon in next season. They can't wait till next season for Viserion to turn into yeah. an ice dragon and then three episodes later you see it. Yeah. They need to build attention, they need to build the suspense. I just want to show that there are alternative methods on how this entire mission and goal of him becoming an ice dragon could have played out and make sense and that they wouldn't get this many complaints. Well, we hope you liked our different scenarios in this alternate universe. Uh, With that said, it's now time for a condensed version of... Did you send the ravens? That was your job. Your only job. Send the raven. One thing to note here, we're actually going to record a special version of the podcast this weekend. Um, We'll probably have the episode up by Saturday, but it's going to be an extra mailbag. We want to get everybody's full reactions to the season thus far, and we're going to answer questions through the whole thing, and it'll be the penultimate episode. Hopefully it's better than the penultimate episode of the season. (laughs) It's just anticipation of the season finale, so we thought it would be fun to kind of build a excitement and suspense if everyone's feeling down after this episode so with that said we have only a couple questions this time around first off a question we forgot to answer last week sorry sorry dave pregnancy brain david handelman he asks we saw the three-eyed ravens start to play an actual role with spying with the ravens but i think the general consensus is that plot wise he's basically there to tell everyone that john is a targaryen why is he there in terms of world building why does Westeros have some sketchy, semi-omniscient guy? Well, where is this guy? Where's Bran? Where's Bran? All right, that's you know? the first problem we have, is Bran should have, number one, either consulted with Arya or Sansa, or at least told Jon some more details. That's the first problem. Yeah, I I don't know, really, because I'm so perplexed by yeah. this entire uh, episode, season of Bran not being there or playing a major role. We know he has this great power that he's trying to figure out. Why don't the showrunners explore that? It's a lot more interesting to see those scenes than watching Arya and Sansa again in Bunch of Cat Fights. So I, I think the place that the actual role that he has, I do feel like at the end of the day, if they don't fuck this up, He's going to play an important role in the sense of how the battle, the ultimate battle with the Night King is going to play out. I think 
in some way he's or he's gonna have to play a role or he I, I like I said in the last episode I refuse to believe that the only reason why Bran is there is to tell John he's a Targaryen there has to be a more well, creative way for John to find out he's a Targaryen than Bran communicating this. Yeah. I I refuse to believe that's the only way. And that cannot be his only reason. I mean, we're we're both perplexed on what his role is. He hasn't shown his face in a couple episodes other than opening his eyes to see and writing this rate or telling Maester Wolkin to write this rate and, to John. And now the whole theory of him working into a dragon is pretty much gone yeah. because John is going to ride Rhaegal and Danny is going to ride Drogon, so and that's gone. Yeah, I was so set on that everybody dragons. was asking who's the third rider and I thought Bran was going to because of what we saw in the end of season 4, the three-eyed raven said, "Bran, you will fly." Joe uh, jo actually pointed out where well, we've seen it because saying that he's fly, he's actually warging to the raven, and that's how he's flying. Yeah, not warging to the dragon. So that was anticlimactic. Very anticlimactic for me when he made me realize that, and a huge disappointment. But at the same time, only Targaryens can ride dragons, and maybe it makes more sense that Viserion is the one that died because also he's also named after the shitty brother this era yeah. so so makes I think, sense that he's the one that i think at the end nice of the dragon. day dave we don't really have an answer for you yeah sorry, sorry. we're just perplexed by this yeah. entire episode that i think we're, we're we've drained our our discussion and knowledge on trying to make sense of this episode that we don't fucking know what brand's gonna do next question from deborah wang she says if you could only choose one which character would you want to spin off and what would it be its first season storyline or plot? Her answer is Tormund and Brienne. She wants so much more of that. So mine is Ghost. Ugh. I just want a fucking spinoff of Ghost. Ghost going on his journey. Ghost feeling the emotions of Jon. I I miss Ghost so much that, yeah, I'm willing to watch a whole spinoff in series of a direwolf. That's how much they've underused him. So that's my answer. Go Ghost. Uh, my joking answer would be Hot Pie, a cooking show, and his first season is all about his learning of new recipes and his fight against a rival bakery. Um, my serious answer, this is actually kind of tough. What character has not, oh, actually, I would watch a whole show, or at least one season, on Beric Dondarrion and the the Brotherhood. Yeah. What were they doing? Mm-hmm. What was happening? Or even their past, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that is something that I would actually like to see. The next question is from Stephanie Chen. Will Tormund ever win Brienne's heart? I think this is so funny. I loved the uh, conversation that uh, Tormund had oh with God. Brienne and how he was like, I want to make babies with her. It just reminded me of like a middle school girl drawing doodles on her notebook about a guy. But I hope so. I mean, he didn't die. So I think they're going to have them reunite in some comical way. Um, I don't think at the end, though, Brienne and Tormund will make babies together. One of them will be dead. One of them will be dead. I think she has a certain connection. I don't know if I want to chalk it up to attraction with Jamie, but 
her heart is distracted by him. So unfortunately, I don't think Tormund will ever win Brienne's heart. Annie Poor asks, holy fuck, how do you think the White Walker dragon is going to play out in the show? So my thought is the Night King is going to use the dragon to burn down the wall. That's how the wall will fall. So do you think Viserion blows fire still or does he blow ice? That's a that's a question I don't, that I based, I'm excited to find yeah, out. But based on the way that we've seen these undead uh, zombies and animals come back to life, it doesn't really change the mechanics of their body in terms of what they can actually do, mm-hmm. like in terms of abilities. Mm-hmm. So it's not just going to change the inner complexities of the dragon to start shooting out ice because that. Doesn't but really what's make... interesting, going back to seeing how he died, when the ice spear stabbed him, his fires burned through him. Yeah. So it was like the fires that he has in him were distinguished and were going to be replaced with maybe blue fire, which yeah. is hotter. I think it's... Or maybe with ice, but maybe either... blue fire makes yeah, more sense. Just based with science, you can't shoot ice out of your mouth. It'll well, just be this like... this is fantasy, okay? And... <laughs> Are they ice? Obviously. Are they ice lasers like Iceman? I don't know. I mean, I just. I'll go with fire, blue fire. Blue fire. That's an interesting way. It's cool visually to bring out too. The wall. Get some Dragon Ball Z action. And by having an ice dragon, it makes it good versus evil balanced a little yeah. bit more because we were always like, well, Danny has three dragons. So now that the Night King has its own pet dragon, mm-hmm. uh, it really kind of gives him a lot more yeah, he's power. A, he's a bigger threat than just having a lot of zombies now. Yeah. He has polar King. bears. He has he any has, kind of animal. He has giants yeah. that we saw in episode one. Yep. He has this dragon. He has Hodor. <laughs> he has Hodor. Poor Hodor. Um, he could have direwolf. What about zombie summer? Yeah, that would be cool to see zombies summer come back to life mm-hmm. um i don't think they can afford it but remember wolf budget next question isn't really a question so it's not going to count scott roberts says the eagles gandalf the eagles and he's aware that's not a question we just like this because it's a lord of the rings reference and you know okay just to briefly Uh-oh. talk about <laughs> just to briefly talk about lord of the rings because i think that is a movie that is sound reasonable and a fantasy plot that makes sense I just want to say that when I talk to people about this, even at work, people who aren't into Game of Thrones, they're like, well, Regina, what are you expecting? You have dragons and zombies. Like, of course, it's not going to make sense. Of course, it's not going to be logical. Just because it's fantasy doesn't mean it doesn't have to make sense. Look at works like Harry Potter. Look at works like Lord of the Rings, where it was all purely magical, pure fantasy, but it was still rooted into logical natural progressions of the story believable storylines and everything was explained so i i refuse to say that yeah there's zombies or dragons but that's just the elements of the world that they created the the rules still have to be followed in the fantasy world Mm -hmm. so go lord of the rings christian thomas asks who was the least valuable player of the westeros seven a.k.a. North of the Wall Gang, during the actual battle? So I'm actually going to say the Hound because I, when you saw the polar bear attack, he 
was again scared of the fire and I totally understand he's traumatized from what happened with him but when you're put in a situation where you're seeing your comrades die and get brutally murdered it's kind of like with Theon it's not the time to freeze and so literally freeze but it's not the time to be frozen and I think he just standing there the entire time and watching few of the disposable wildlings get brutally bitten and murdered and then watching Thoros of Mir getting attacked it kind of pissed me off and yeah okay fine at the end he saved Tormund but again Tormund should have died he could have died and I really don't see why the hound went in the first place again this is just to get the hound back to King's Landing yeah and to fight the mountain yeah but they could have done it in a fucking different way it felt so unnatural for the hound to even be there my least valuable player was also the hound actually oh really yeah i was toying with thoros of mir but the only reason he died was because the hound fucking froze up like a little bitch Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm i had the same rationale and the same person as you yeah Last question from Joe McNeely. How pregnant will Cersei look when they bring the white to King's Landing? She better look like she better be seven pregnant. months pregnant showing that shit because with all the timeline... At least three. Three months. That's sad. You don't really start showing at three months. Then... Look, we talked about the timeline inconsistencies. That's true. How many episodes has it been since we've seen Cersei? Cersei three? said that she was pregnant after the loot train battle, which was last week. So, if you... So, you usually find out you're pregnant, like, three to four weeks in, right? Right. But if you're going to look at what we just try to explain ourselves at in terms of timeline and timing and say, okay, one hour of one episode equals one month. It's, a, it's more than that, though. It's, it's been... It's, it's almost two months because six episodes... Seven episodes equals 12 months, right? So, yeah. it's closer to, like, 1.8 months. So she's what? So we can assume she's three months pregnant? At least. I would say five because it's been three episodes since okay, we've seen her, Okay, five months. Right? Yeah. So she should be showing. She should be showing a little bit. Maybe you could chalk it up to her wearing big dresses so you can't really see it. Every woman's body's different, yada, yada, yada. But she has to, she has to be at least, yeah, five to six months pregnant at this point. It's not just a embryo anymore. Yeah. For me, I have the same answer, but two different permutations of it. One, she won't look pregnant because it's a fake fucking baby. <laughs> Number two, she won't look pregnant because she would have to try to hide it from her enemies. That's true. Right? Got it. Because, you know, Euron's still holding out for her, so. So, where is Euron? <laughs> that's a good where question. Is Maybe that's a question for our upcoming podcast this Friday or Saturday. Where is Euron? Where is Euron? Where is Ghost? So, stay tuned on Facebook. Uh, for a new chance for you guys to get your questions answered this coming week. From there, it's time for our next segment. The King in the North! The MVP of the episode. So, Regina, you go first. The MVP of the episode is the Night King. Throwing that spear. Look at that throw. Look at that throw. Targeted. He didn't even flinch. He didn't even have to aim. He looked at Viserion, and he threw it, and he knew it right where to spear it. Tom Brady out there. Yeah, seriously. He stretched out his other arm, and he's just like aiming, aiming, got it. Boom! Touchdown. 
Yes. So he got himself a dragon child that he can ride over the wall. And- he signed Kevin Durant, like a lot of the internet <laughs> jokes were saying. So I kudos to the Night King for getting his own very ice dragon due to the stupidity of humans. <laughs> so my MVP is a very non-traditional one because most people are probably expecting us to say the Night King. My MVP is Theon. And the reason what? Wh- yeah. The he reason- wasn't even that episode. Exactly. Theon had nothing to do with this dumb fucking plot of stealing the White Walkers. <laughs> Theon had no business going up north. He's like, I'm not going up there. Fuck all that shit. Theon stayed clear of the camera. He's like, I don't want to part of any of these next two episodes because they're just fundamentally stupid. He's like, I, I don't support any of this. I'm going to go wait inside, like, in Dragonstone and just cry a lot. But I'm more valuable because I didn't fuck up everything. So Theon is my king of the north, my MVP of the episode. So even though Theon has no balls, literally and figuratively, he uh, actually had the courage to, to stay out of this just, Yeah, he plot. won by default. He had the brains. Yeah. Brains but no balls. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess that doesn't really makes sense but then also makes sense yeah just like this show we're just just just, like this tv show you literally wrote a whole side story for theon that That, wasn't even addressed in this episode and it probably makes more sense than the stupid white walker (laughs) so with that said our dragonfire hot take of the week i personally don't have one because i'm just fucking frustrated and i don't feel like thinking about this episode anymore so regina send it to you sister killing (laughs) um i am just so over the aria and sansa thing like we said in the beginning we didn't even want to talk about it because i think we're just so exhausted in trying to first figure out the huge flaw of the suicide mission and then secondly trying to navigate the 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 plot with Sansa and Arya and so I'm just fucking frustrated and I hope one of them kills each other (laughs) and be done with it and Jon comes back and he's like what What happened what happened (laughs) what's the fuck happened it's like just move on I just want it to be over and like I said before I have never felt this way this um passionately about any storyline of just getting over with like obviously i don't condone sister killing but watch out tina and rena <laughs> but at this point in this story they're fucking cat fights i'm just over with like i wish i could just be their mom and just slap the shit out of each other Seriously. or just throw them in a room and just talk talk to each other and talk about sansa this letter. Oh, yes. I understand. You're under stress. Arya, don't trust Littlefinger. He's a bad person. He sold me to the Boltons where I got raped and brutally savaged by Ramsay Bolton. Like, talk the fuck to each other. Don't even fight. Don't even talk to Bran. Talk to each other or just kill each other and be done with it so we can move on. Damn. And that wraps it up, people. Stay tuned for our next episode this coming weekend. We'll answer a lot of your questions and stay tuned for the season finale this Sunday. Yay. Goodbye. Bye.